<laughs> Welcome to Stoops of Stages. How do you say that in Welcome Spanish? To Welcome to Stoops of Stages. Bueno, bueno, ¿cómo se dice eso en español? Welcome, Welcome to, to Stages. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, words, man. Uh, first, just want to say thanks again for being on Stoops, man. It's been uh, something we wanted to do for quite some time, man. Real happy to connect with you, bro. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited to be on here and, and just always love uh, doing these interviews, man. It gives some insight and, and also hopefully just, you know, hear some good questions. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, that's part of like what I wanted to talk with you about. Like, I feel that um, with the amount of work that goes into making a project, how do you keep the the work side of it fresh for you, right? Like there's stuff like this that you got to do. Like it's not traditional what you expect to be doing when you decide to be like an artist or to be an MC. Like I don't think people realize how much work goes into promo and the project. How do you keep the the press aspect of it fresh for yourself, man? Um, really, man. I just try to rhyme on a lot of things, like because. The more things I rhyme on and whether it's like unknown people or known people, it, it releases. And even though you, you may hear it tomorrow, it may have been done a year ago. It may have been done two years ago. Um, but the more things that you're on, the more prolific keeps you active and out in, uh, you know, out there to the airs. And then, um, I just try to bounce around with um doing different projects so i try not to only just rap i try to do like uh cartoon stuff i try to do so many other things that um spreads and expands my capabilities of what i'm able to do and i think that more so that helps so uh if you hear me rhyming it might be on the master ace album but you know i try to make sure that the verse is so you know i make sure that the verses are straight all the time so it anticipates me doing my own thing Mm, okay, okay. That's ill. I, I, I like that. And, and uh, with that said, how do you uh, manage to keep the the quality control with that? Because that, that's definitely something that your fans have noticed, right? You're, I think you create and take part in more projects than most people do. Um, mm-hmm. By the same token, I don't think someone could say that you have like a cookie cutter words verse either, right? Like there's no formula uh, to like a words verse that we can catch on anyway. Like, how do you how do you manage to keep um, the quality control of the stuff you put out so high? Um, really, just off the basis of if I'm critiquing others so often, I got to make sure I hold that same standard to myself. So, if I think I hear something from somebody else saying something that's terrible. When I'm saying it, I gotta be able to say that don't sound good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I, I'm very, um, I try to stress this a lot. Like, I'm very self aware of if something is hot or if it's corny, you know what I'm saying? Um, within myself, too. So there's a lot of quality control of does it make me go, wow, nobody would have thought of that. That's where I'm at with it. Or wow, that sounds crazy being put together. So I always try to, put myself outside of myself mm. and put myself into the audience. So if if I'm in an audience, will the audience get a woo from that? Will they will they be inspired from that? So I just remove myself from who I am. I don't have an ego like that to think that everything I write is hot. I have just the you know, I'm a fan and spectator first and I look at myself from that perspective of if that's hot or if that's terrible. That's beautiful. So 
with that said, do you have any people that you go to for that? Like, uh, once you've kind of given it your check-through process, are there people that you trust to listen to it to say, you know what, this isn't uh, up to words as normal standard, or do you only go by your gut read on it? I go by um, usually my gut read on it because um, I would say, you know, if you look at maybe some best-selling authors, people that write films, things of that nature, you know, they have a, a radar on knowing what's good, you know. Um, you, you do comedy, so you you have a radar on it as well of, nah, that's not a hot joke. You know right, what I'm right. saying? Or my delivery on that it has to be different because the other main aspect of it is that you're comparing your craft and yourself to others out there and they have a standard and you're always competing against them. So no matter what the occupation is, as long as there's a competitive edge, it means that you're able to be competitive because, you know, there's a bar, there's a bar and a standard. Mm. Right. If you can't be competitive, if you don't know there's a bar and a standard to it. So I know there's a Nas. I know there's a J. I know there's a Kendrick. I know there's an M. Um, so I know that what I'm writing, if it doesn't sound in the caliber to to even be on the same track to with them, then I don't think the verse is hot. So um, you can't you can't be doing anything when you're competing without knowing what your competition is doing because you're trying to outdo them. That's real. So, you're are you regularly examining their work as well then? Because you have to stay on top of what they're doing to be up to par with what they're doing and to possibly challenge it and beat it. Yeah, I'm always listening, and people put me on to stuff. People send me other artists to listen to. I listen to you know, I just I listen to a lot of those artists because of the longevity. Right. So you see, you see that they're competitive with maintaining their craft. So. There's a respect and integrity to the craft that they have, in which that's what I have too. I, I like to uphold, uphold the integrity of the craft, um, and I think that's a big thing that's missing from maybe a lot of artists that I've admired that did fall off is the fact that the ego was put in front of the integrity in which they got blind, blinded by the quality control. Um, so that's what maintains the longevity because. When you're competitive and you don't have an ego, um, you're able to see where you can improve that. It's like a, it's like an athlete. It's like any other thing as you get older or whatever you're doing. Um, it's like a company. You know, you're your own company. If one brand is putting out something faster than you're putting it out, you have to adjust and figure out how your company and brand can be doing it just as well, if not better. Now, that makes sense because a lot of what I, I, I admire about what you're doing is uh, – is the fact that you, you along with the work you're doing with the MC, um, and there's a few artists uh, that you kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, it's the first time that um, I'm, I'm 33. I've been listening to hip hop my whole life, and it's the first time where I'm starting to feel comfortable saying that hip hop is going to have the equivalent to what rock has with rock stars. Like uh, there was a time there where I was worried that. The cutoff was 30, and if you were over 30 and you were still making hip-hop, you were considered old. That you couldn't make uh, mature music and it be in this genre. And then on top of that, that you couldn't tour it after a certain age because it would be considered an old tour. Whereas I see you guys regularly, A, continuing to make work that 
is still current, right? Like your music hasn't aged, right? It's not like like I can hear uh, mirror music and it would still sound very modern. But by the same token, you're you don't sound like a '80s or '90s rapper when I hear your current music. And on top of that, when I go to shows with yours today, I still see young fans today, people that are new that are connecting to it with what you're making now. Um, so it, 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 uh, it gives me hope that the genre has matured and it's been embraced as, uh, as something that adults can still get into. Yeah, but I, tri- I attribute, attribute that to the producers though. Mm. You know, like hooking up with producers that are great, you know, like, um, I, I, man, I'm honest with how things work. So, if I think about where I'm at with things, you know, the new project I got out, Blame It On The Music, that's a collaboration with Jay Soul uh, out in Baltimore, and he did this record called Satellite. And yeah. when, I heard, when I heard Satellite, I was like, I knew what it would feel like to somebody else. So when I wrote the rhyme, I was like, when somebody hears this, I know how it's going to feel. But then also I did a project with Donnell Smokes. He's an ill producer out in Cali, and he did the whole project. And they, they're the guys... The producers are the ones that like the fire under me. I'm competing against the beat, you know, and all the new up and coming producers are the ones that are going to push you to to do your best and and uh, change with the times. But also like, you know, when I did uh, the photo album, Apollo Brown, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's about knowing that um, being able to embrace, I embrace producers because those are the ones that are out there. Man. I mean, there's so many producers that are ill, man. It's just that they don't all get heard. So when I hear ill producer, man, I embrace that person because that sound may may have not been heard, but it's current. Or that sound may have not been heard, and it may give you something reminiscent of the, of the 90s, but it still knocks today. So I just embrace the producers, man. So I credit the producers for a lot of that, you know? That's awesome. That's actually part of what I was going to touch on, too, because uh, in particular with the J Soul thing, like that's a collabo that um, I think the what I've heard so far has been awesome. But I don't think people expected it. Um, I don't think uh, there wasn't a ton of history of you guys together. Um, what what brought about that happening? Like, how did you guys connect? Uh, one morning I had sent out a tweet like, what up, world? And um, and substantial, uh, yeah, you know, okay. substantial. He saw me tweeting and thought about um there was something going on at Hipnot that, you know, he works at Hipnot and A&R and then he's also an artist. And he was thinking of a project that would be dope to kind of get one of their producers a little more light and have me rock on something. So we, we spoke on the phone and he told me they had a stable of producers at Hipnot. And I heard Jay Soul and I was like, yo, I dig this dude's diversity. Um, so, you know, let's do a join or two and see where it goes. And from then we just knocked out a, a, a quick EP and, um, it wound up satellite became the number one college record. Like, I don't know about this week, but last week, I last week. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just knew that that track would do it and just trying to collaborate with somebody that's talented, man. I just met Jay soul like last week. You know, wow. I never, I never even met him. Did, uh, you know, that's the other thing I've been doing with a lot of these projects, like the Donnell Smokes New Beginning album. I never met Donnell Smokes in person at all till this day. Wow. Yeah, you know, I've spoken to him on the phone, FaceTime, I believe, and that's about it. And, um, so I'm, it's really speaking to the talent of the dudes 
and us collaborating, you know? That's such a modern uh, way of making music. I don't think people uh, understand how global uh, internet access has made uh, the music making process. Like That's beautiful that you can connect with people so far apart just because the talent's there. They don't need to be necessarily like two people in New York to connect, you know? Yeah, the talent, man. It's all about the talents there, man. And, um, you know, sometimes they're like surprised that I dig what they're doing, but I'm like, man, you know, I don't care about names and none of that. If you got a hot stable of joints and I, I feel inspired to write to them, let's work on something. Let's put it out, you know? That's real. Um, before I continue, I have to say thank you to you because, um, I'm, I'm a parent now and I didn't gain a full appreciation for this until I had my own kids, but I'm substantially older than my siblings, right? I'm, when I was, uh, when I was 16, my brother was born, my sister was born when um, I was 17. And I remember um, I would take them out on errands in my car and having to struggle wanting to bump hip-hop and yeah. knowing I couldn't play just anything in the car because they were listening. And I remember going through my CDs and finding the Mirror Music CD and stopping because it was the only CD I had in my collection that didn't have the parental advisory sticker on it. Like I was yeah. legit in awe, and and to this day, my brother's sixteen now. He knows the words to like "On Your Feet," you know. And it, yeah. it was such a pure song. And like my parents are immigrants, they didn't necessarily know English that well, but it, they felt comfortable listening to the record because they understood everything that was being said, and they felt the positivity of it. Um, I wanted to know, like, was that like a conscious decision of yours to make music um, that was more accessible in that way? Yeah, it, it definitely was, man. I remember being in a, a cypher session one day. This is some. There used to be a hip hop group called Trends of Culture. Okay. Pharrell Monch was there, uh, Prince Poe, and Naughty Tretch, and Met the Man. Like okay. they did a remix of a song a while ago, and we were just in there rhyming. We did a freestyle. They they taped it too, and all of that. So I don't know where that's at, but anyway. Um, that same day, though, Tretch, one that evening was like, uh, man, you know, you know, you don't want to be cursing too crazy because every time you rhyme and something's getting bleeped out, bleeped out. And I remember that, you know what I'm saying? And then also the people that I kind of uh, look up to, my mentors from college and my parents and, and all that, um, a lot of the people from college, my college professors and everything, I just wanted to show that I was able to maintain the, the potency of being lyrical and have something that they can listen to, mm. you know, and my mom can listen to. So it was more so a thing of, um, is it, do I need a curse? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like thinking about like, if I take the curse out, is the rhyme worse? And it, it's not. So like, okay, let me make this so that everybody can play it. Um, so I definitely, uh, I, to this day, every album is like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, I, I was hard struck to find something where, like, you're even bleeped in. Like, um, I know, like, in the, I think it was, like, Hip Hop for Respect, they, like, bleeped you, like, on a technicality. Like, uh, I forget the exact word, but there's, like, one word they bleeped where it wasn't a curse. But, like, it yeah. was, like, wasn't allowed on radio or something. Like, one word. And I was like, wow, like, that's one of the few times. And, and, and I only thought about that after the fact. Because yeah. it, it never occurred to me, like... All the music I'd heard of yours all those years, I never consciously realized you were doing that. And then when I discovered that, they made me go back and reappreciate all the songs. 
because I was like, oh, like he kind of like had this hidden gem because you never publicized that per se either. It's just nah. there. Yeah, even you know it's funny because Jay Soul when we, he he didn't know what I was gonna say on the wrong, on the tracks, and then he heard it and he he lo- he actually thanked me for that too because. He doesn't like profanity, but I didn't know what he liked, and I, I just, that's what I do. I just rhyme, you know what I'm saying? So even him, he was like, yo, I appreciate that. And, um, that's, that's, to me, I appreciate people appreciating that, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, uh, a lot of people, if you hop in the car and you start throwing hip hop on, maybe a lot of parents and people are gonna assume I'm gonna say something that they gotta turn down, you know what I'm saying? But, um, the potency is there, man, regardless if, if I curse or not, man. I mean, they're all records when I'm cursing. Of course, we got the sex records I do with Ace on, on, on his albums and, you know, stuff I've done before punching words. But like, overall, when it's my stuff, when it's just me, my albums, I'm just straight, just, uh, no profanity and just pro- no profanity and potency, man. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like when you write a joke where like, uh, you have to, if the word doesn't add to the joke and you can still say the joke without the word, take it out. You know, that, yeah. that's my approach always. And, and I, I, I hear that same kind of thinking with it. If the curse isn't pertinent to that story or that bar, take it out. It doesn't serve any, any extra purpose. It's a crutch almost. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know what's so crazy about it is my favorite rapper growing up was Cool G Rap. So, <laughs> you know, the irony there is just crazy to some people probably because Cool G Rap, yeah. Used to curse crazy. I mean, I used to play talk like sex. I mean, super loud in my house. Yeah. And, yeah. and my mom never told me to turn it down because her vibe in which how I feel is her vibe was the music isn't stronger than her to influence me. That's so. I like that. I don't think a lot enough parents feel that way necessarily. Um, that, that's that's an awesome thing to hear. Um, you touched uh, uh, touched on um, your education there a bit. Um, Want to say congrats? I know uh, this year they kind of gave you some kudos with the fifth uh, year anniversary of your college. Um, you were one yeah. of the people they uh, they brought some attention to there. Can you talk a bit about that and how that came about? Yeah, man, that was a, an amazing letter to receive. That um, out of the fifty years of the college being open, open. I was one of the top 50 graduates to ever graduate out of there. Off wow. of, yeah, it's, it's bananas to me, man. Like, off of not just me graduating, but all the things I've achieved after graduating too, you know? Um, so it's, it's weird, man, because like, when I, the, the way I graduated out of that school, um, it was like a, a big deal, cause back then it was a big deal, but I didn't know, you know, you always say, you know, 20 years from now, they're going to remember me. 50 years from now, they're going to talk about me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You want that phrase. Uh, when I was in college, I wrote my papers in Ron. That's yeah. how I graduated. You know what I'm saying? And it was a big deal back then. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know it would just resonate to now that, to you know, that it would just still be such a, di- a big ordeal of... That's that's what I did back then, and and, and then people will remember it, you know, twenty years later, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh. It's 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 crazy, man. It's crazy to me, man. Um, so I was, yeah, man. So I uh, got an award for being one of the top fifty graduates, and and it was it was moving to me when you think about thousands of people graduate every year from there. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. But like, you know, I'm in the top fifty, and my boy put it in perspective to me one day he was like yo you you're gonna be 
you're living, you're gonna be there forever now. Wow. You know, that's crazy to me. That's, that's what, um, that's what I, I do. I, I live life and do things for, man, you know, to, to, uh, make an impact some way or some form, you know? That's beautiful. I, I remember when, um, I, I, I first, uh, became a fan of your work. Um, I was part of like probably the first generation of people that got a lot of their hip hop from the internet. And that, the, that story about you writing your stuff in, in rhyme, that was almost like a, like a rumor. Like it became like folklore. Like people heard it, you know, but there was no way of verifying it either. Like, you know, so everyone's hearing that. And like, like I worked at Q and five, like I would, so I'm, I would ask tone, and and he would be like, yo, just ask him. He's gonna come over later. I'm like, nah, I can't ask him that because it seemed like such a wild question. And it is. It was to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, the same way you're saying that, I used to hear from people like all the time. Like, yo, people say you did that, and I'd be like, yeah, no, I did that. And uh, <laughs> I actually have I have the papers. So. Yeah, I remember you put one up on Facebook. Like, it was yeah, incredible. I yeah, I I have I still have. A majority of the papers, if not all of them, right here, and I'm actually putting them into a book. So awesome. I actually have them though, like physically, right here next to me, to be honest with you. So that's crazy. That's such an awesome thing. Cause um, when when I saw the when I saw the you receiving the award and getting the acknowledgement as being one of the the students that they wanted to kind of you know shine some light on in the in the history of the school. And this is the SUNY system. Like they have a ton of graduates. To your point. They go yeah. through there. Um, it reminded me of like a, a bit about like with um, one of the Barack Obama interviews he did interview um, recently, um, where uh, they asked him like, uh, "How do you deal with the pressure of making these decisions, knowing that you're going to be in a history book one day?" You know, and he said um, something that kind of tripped me out because to me, I was like, "Yo, if you're you're making every decision knowing you're going to be in a history book, that's got to be stressful." Right. Because you overthink a lot of the decisions. And he said the opposite. He said that it actually freed him up to make the best decision because he knew that in history books, they don't judge you about the instant reaction. They judge you about the effect that your overall time had on on the country. So he it gave him a way of stepping back and making the right decision, even if the instant response wasn't what was ideal. And it reminded me a lot of your work, right? Like you're you're getting this notoriety because time and time again you made decisions that you felt were the right for you as an artist. Um, they might not have always been the right economically or the right one for commercial success or whatever the case may be. You made the right choice for words over and over again, and now years later. People see that that body of work, and places like your college can see that and and show appreciation for it. And and now it's like a testament to who you are. Yeah, it, I mean, when I was doing it, it was like weird to people. You know what I'm saying? Like I was doing every subject in rhyme, you know, and it was weird. Like, and and then they started talking about it, and I mean, I always big up my mentor and my professor. Like I, I showed the picture of me. With the two professors that actually stood up for me and, and they actually supported me. When I was doing, uh, English language literature, I remember the professor, Professor Terrell taking me outside after class that I want to talk to you. And she was like, you, you know, that's Sarah Gowan in the Green Knight. You wrote it in rhyme. You need to do children's books. She told me that in college, you know, so it inspired me more. Um, 
And then when we were doing Shakespearean sonnets, she said, um, what do you think of this? You know, what's your opinion on it? How, how does it make it feel? I said, it's all right, but it ain't better than Nas. And you know what she, what she, yeah. And, and what she did though, this is, this is what she did. She said, Nas, I never heard of Nas. I said, Nas, yeah, he's a rapper. And I explained it in the class, which some of the people knew. But what she did is she went and broke down Nas name and went to go listen to Nas. Wow. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's a way that the acceptance and, uh, the, the things they instilled in me was to not prejudge or to get upset at what somebody's ideology or influence is, but actually take it into account and then research it and find out what makes people tick, you know, as opposed to being uh, judgmental. So a lot of, a lot of those things, man, has such a huge impact on me being so young to, to how I am now. That's awesome. Cause I, I, I like even, like even me listening to it, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in how I feel hip hop has positive positively influenced me as a 33 year old. But just hearing you say that and picturing a uh, 18 and 19 year old guy saying that in a class in college, that sounds crazy to me. Like it, it, it's nuts to hear uh, uh, a kid bring that up and have the teacher accept that as a as a possible option. That's a uh, a huge uh, a kudos for that class and that school that they were willing to be that open-minded and and approach it as I don't know everything about writing I know what I've been taught but there's clearly other writers that are of merit that I might not know about and they were willing to look into the writer that you brought up yeah it was really like um, the head of the English department um, Dr. Hicks she she's a you know, she's big on like African American history and she knows, you know, she knows about hip hop. She still emails me things to this day, things about poetry and all that. And she, she really was the one that was telling this whole school, like, yo, there's something going on with this kid. There's something, this kid is doing something. Like she was the one that was like pushing me. Like she was having, she would have a rap versus poetry thing going on in which professors would bring their classes to hear me talk. Like, she knew, like, I was uh, doing something unique, and it was changing the culture, and you got to have people like that to um, have your back at that age because, you know, mind you, she was older than me, and, of course, I'm a kid, so she was just like, there's something special here, in which that's the same thing with me now as a person. If I see a little a little kid or the youth or somebody else coming with something great, whether no matter what age, I'm trying to encourage the person. Like, well, yo, let me know what that's about, what you're trying to do. I try to uh, influence, so it had a huge effect on me. So um, that's that's what made, that's a huge part of who I am. That's awesome, man. It's, it, it's a blessing to hear that, a blessing to have that around, just to know that those things are out there and they're possible. Um, to get back a bit to the music, um, uh, a long time ago, I got to ask you this question um, with, with relation to uh, another project, and what what you said kind of like uh, opened my mind a bit to how I listen to records. I was uh, doing the background interviews for, for Tone's Archetype, and I asked you about the intro um, of an album, like what does it have to do, and the way you described it was really unique. You you had a similar take to um, Note um, on it in the sense that you told me like it has to it has to have energy and it has to let you know what the album's about. Like in in the sense that 
there this this song kind of has to help differentiate it from all your other projects um and because of that i always take uh, a bit more time and like replay the first tracks to albums when i first hear them um it's also something that uh i feel a lot of artists waste because i feel that it's it's a good time to make a statement it reminded me of uh of the source right when they uh had the unsigned hype thing and they would say put your best uh cut first yeah, like, it was that kind of uh, thinking. I don't. I up until that point, I had no problem skipping through a CD uh, and going to the best cuts, quote unquote. But that that thinking um, was really interesting to me back then. And ironically, I feel that um, whether subconsciously or not, and now listening to you talk about how you go so serious about your quality control, I, I think it plays a big part in why your music is so timeless. Because you approach every song that way. Whereas I felt a lot of artists back then uh, just wanted to get 18 tracks together. As long as three to four of them were radio cuts and they fit different uh, like kind of quotas, they were happy. Whereas I felt that you had a very focused idea of what your project should say and do. Um, so I, I just found that interesting that you did that from back then. Because this was uh, right around the time you were working on Mirror Music, uh, but prior to the release. Um, what made you come up with that kind of way of thinking that your first track should kind of formulate the the album feel? It's the first thing you usually perform on stage, and as and as an artist, uh, we know most of our money is made from the stage show. So you know, usually you come on stage with that first, first record from the album. So whatever the vibe is from the first record on the album, when people hear it, if they're not really feeling it, it's gonna be the vibe. Also, when coming on stage, um, so I guess sometimes you may even see an artist start off the show and skip get the first song too. I've seen that happen too. Yeah, um, they might just go that's been popping or it's, it's starting to get a little vibe. Um, but I, I like to start with that initial record to know that it's winding people up for what's on the album. Yeah, because one of the cool things I've noticed also, um, and it's something that I have to compliment. Uh, not only your live performance, but your writing. Um, you're one of the few people I've noticed that can go from verse to chorus. Like, I always feel that a lot of rappers, like, when they, uh, when they write their songs, they never write it knowing that at some point they're gonna perform the song. Like, I, I feel like you can, I've seen you seamlessly do a ton of your tracks, um, without the need of a hype man, which is rare to me. Like, cause someone usually has to do some of the, the, the the punch words or some of the uh they'll have to start the chorus because the verse overlaps too much on it i feel like a lot of your music is is it, whether intentionally or not was written knowing that at some point it's going to be on a stage yeah, yeah definitely um i mean that's that's what your livelihood is depends upon your stage performance more so than a lot of other things and um so i'm always just i mean it, it gets it's it's kind of I guess discussing how I come up with the songs, what I want to do, what that song is for. Um, you know, I know some songs some people may not like, but I know other people may like this particular song. I go through all of it, man. I wrestle with every thought that everybody probably wrestles with their own when I make the project, but I have to think about. Um, do I think it reflects me overall, and am I affecting? Uh, people in a certain way that I want to leave a particular impression and I'm looking for people. To. 